So, hello and welcome to the third episode now of my Fancy Zamboni. We've got a full house in today, um, starting with, hello Dave. Good evening, Jim. No worries. Good evening, everyone. Little League of Gentlemen reference for everybody there. Hello, Dave. Um, Gref, you've uh, managed to stay awake until nine o'clock today, so um, congratulations. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Um, good evening to everyone else. And um, we've also got Andy joining us again today. The one-armed bandit at the moment is currently got a sling because he's got a bad bruise. Um, <laughs> to dumb it down considerably. Hello, Andy. Hi, Joe. Hi, everyone. So, uh, Dave, we, we've got some uh, we've got some exciting news. I think. I think. Uh, do you want to segue us into uh, into the number one on the agenda tonight? Number one agenda. The main piece of news is um, we start this podcast as um, three people: myself, you, and Gareth. We're going to just up the ante and make it fall with uh, Andy being a permanent member of the uh, the podcast crew. So, uh, permanently welcome to the man house, Andy. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Pleasure to have you, mate. Um, so, you know, obviously exciting news. Andy stepped in uh, when Greth didn't have the energy to stay awake for us. Um, we liked what he did. Um, and as they pointed out earlier on to us, Andy also considerably ups the average count on the teeth in the members of the podcast. Um, so we're very happy to have you on board, Andy. Um, first thing, I guess, really to discuss this week, we've done it. Well, you know, a little bit different this week. We don't have teams to go through. Um, I think it's quite nice, to be fair. It's been a bit of a chore to get through 11 teams on two podcasts. Um, so apologies the fact that episode two was uh, an hour and a half long. It was it ran on a little bit longer than expected. Um, but I guess that the, the good place to start will be to go through the results that have happened since we last spoke. So obviously, as we say, we recorded the last one on Saturday night. It's currently Thursday night. Um, Gref... Why don't you start us off? What 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 um, what fixtures have taken your have taken your notice that have uh, happened over the last few days? Over the last few days, probably obviously the Sunday when Manchester was at home against Nottingham. That was a pretty good game. Four one was the result to Nottingham. Not the way us Manchester fans wanted it, but that's an unfortunate. Inter has taken its toll, and also. Over the hills in your neck of the woods, although you were further down the road in not in, in Milton Keynes, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's nice true. I thought, um, sorry, I thought MK were going to do well, but obviously they did it on the second night. Yeah, I mean, I mean, bringing it back first to obviously, as you say, the uh, the Manchester Nottingham game. Obviously, the result was a four-one win to Nottingham. As you say, not necessarily the result that you guys would have been hoping for. At the same time, though. As you say, you've got a lot of injuries. I mean, didn't they scored two in the last five minutes of the second period, didn't they, or, or some something along those kind of time frames, and then one early doors in the third or something? Yeah, it was like fifteen forty-one in the second period, and then seventeen fifty-six in the second period. That Justin Colback's got two goals, yeah. and then like two minutes thirteen on the clock in the third, Alex Gupta got a goal, and that just pretty much sealed the deal. Yeah, I mean, if it, and, and you also had to change netminders as well, didn't you, for the third period? So a lot of things going on there. All in all, Dave, I don't, I don't really think that was a bad result for the Storm, to be fair. No, I'd agree with that. It's um, a fair result um, for the Storm. Injuries um, already taking its toll. Um, 
on someone. I know they've uh, brought in a um, new uh, body to the to the team, and I know uh, Griff will mention later on. But looking at Nottingham, it's more goals. I know the night before there was only a 2-1 win, but four goals on the road. Um, Nottingham are starting to look a little bit more dangerous as they roll on. Kovacs with a couple of goals. Their goals are starting to spread across already this part of the season. Um, it's a good sign for the Panthers, um, if we're honest. Um, and, you know, when they come to play, you know, in the league, the likes of the Devils and the Giants and then, you know, obviously the Steelers, you know, that type of goal threat spread across their roster will help them um, and make them even more dangerous than they're already looking. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and, you know, a 4-1 win certainly nothing to be sniffed at. And, and I watch the highlights of the game and, and Nottingham really do look like a team that have clicked already. I mean, I know that, you know, there's been a few teams this year that have kind of restarted, Sheffield being one. MK or another that have obviously, I think they only, I think I read somewhere they only retained one player, if that's not necessarily the, the, the right stat, I, I apologise, but they've certainly had a big up, uplift in the team, they've, they've, they've certainly had a, a kind of a, a big change, and, and you know, Nottingham have had a big change as well, they've changed with the coaching, so to get a 4-1 win and to look so clicked in together, um, Andy, it's a, it's a big thing for the start of the season to look like one unit as a team after you, you guys have only been together for a couple of weeks. It is, I mean... In the first couple of weeks of the season, you don't normally see all, five, all four lines booking, but we've got a good four lines. I mean, just Justin Kovacs, Mark Hurtabees, Guptill. Uh, you know, there's a lot of players in that team who can score goals, put the points, and the start is really strong. I think that could be quite a thing we'll see quite a few of it through the season. Yeah, I think the key to be with this one will be is if they can keep that momentum and also if they don't hit injuries. Um, it's all, and we've seen it many teams that have started well really hit form injury bug hits them and the, the season just capitulates from there so I think if you're a Panthers fan it looks great good start but there's a heck of a lot of hockey to play and you know injury will, will take its toll it does it in every team um, but it's how they manage it how they replace the players if they do have injuries um, but I've got to say like Rule already said it's a good start for the Panthers it's maybe not the right start for them for the storm at the moment as well. Maybe not necessarily from a results perspective, but as you say, injuries will happen along the way. You certainly don't expect to lose a the the, the amount of players that Manchester have lost already, but also b some of the the, the caliber of the players that you've lost so early on in the season as well. Greth, I mean, I think that that's it's going to be a big big hole for you guys to fill early doors. It definitely will be, especially losing pretty much like. Two of your best D-men, well, probably the best D-men in Harrison Rupert, especially. And obviously losing top point scorer last season, Mike Hammond. He's out for a few weeks. That wasn't a good start for us either. And we also lost another D-man in Pula. He got injured in the Saturday game against Panthers. But yeah, it doesn't really look that great for us at the moment, but... I'm sure Finna will be fine and it'll get the team going. Yeah, I, I agree with you on, on, obviously it's not a great start, but I think the result that you pulled off, a 4-1 loss, maybe flatters the Panthers from a perspective of the timings of the goals. Um, you know, as I say, they did look good as a unit, but, you know, it's not a bad result for you guys. And as I say, um, for them to get two quick fire goals at the end of the second period, you take those goals out, different game. So, you know, it's not it's not a bad start for the for the storm from a perspective of results as long as you guys can you know can kick off from replacing the injuries. Um 
I mean, like the next the next one obviously Greth that you've mentioned, and it's it was the other league fixture on the Sunday night. Um, in fact, one that me, Dave, and Andy all travelled down to was the Steelers at Milton Keynes. Andy, what was your impression of that game? Obviously, a five-two win for the Steelers. I think both teams were a really solid game. I think the only difference for Steelers uh, was that unlike the night before, they were able to finish on a lot of their opportunities, like the power play. Uh, seems to have some good chemistry on that, but they were finishing, you know, a lot of hits, so finishing a lot of goals off, and uh, yeah, just a really good performance for both teams. Yeah, I mean, uh, Dave, I mean, the, the Lightning got off quick, so you got the, uh, they, they got off the mark fairly quickly on in the, in the game. It, it was a game of cat and mouse for a fair bit, obviously. I mean, we put the, uh, we went up 2 1, they bring, back, bring it back to 2 2 within. 10-15 seconds of a scoring net goal um, and also I mean you see the likes of Eric Neely putting a goal up on the board assisted by Tim Wallace there were a few things for us to um, you know maybe to, to cause a bit of worry in the first couple of periods but a, a very cat and mouse game for particularly the first few periods of it it were, for me it was the same style of game throughout the whole weekend between both sides um, for me it was quite the pace was good uh, the hits were being thrown. They were good hits, some not so good, but, you know, hits were being thrown. It was, for me, entertaining hockey um, on both nights. Um, I think the difference was Milton Keane probably did um, not have as much left in the tank towards the end of the game, and that's where Steelers took advantage and got that important win. Um, but, you know, Neely's goal, really nice finish on the power play. Um, Josh Pitt getting his first goals, start with a hat-trick. You know, you know good start. Evan McGrath with a, a brace. David Norris, as you said, pulled it to all. Plenty of goals, plenty of good saves as well for both Whistle and Colleen. So, for me, it was a, another great game of hockey over the weekend. And one thing I'll say, um, first time, as it was with you, first time to Milton Keynes, great little rink. Um, good set of fans. Uh, and if you do get the chance to go, to all people listening who haven't been before, get down to Milton Keynes. It's a good, good little place to watch the hockey. Yeah, definitely agree with that. I mean, the fact that they've got bars dotted around the rink and a Papa John's as well is, is certainly another reason to throw in the mix there. Um, just maybe you, don't. You've also got someone walking around with with, with um, hot drinks, um, alcohol drinks, soft drinks for everybody. So it caters for every single person. So yeah. it's a good venue to uh, for elite league hockey. Yeah, just maybe don't go down if you're not so strong in the roundabout driving. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Gref, I mean, obviously, you know, you you weren't down at the game. I don't know if you've if you've seen the highlights from the game, but I mean, looking at the result, obviously five to win for Sheffield, coming back off um, from the loss three two at home the day before. Did you expect a Sheffield win, or were you thinking MK have got the confidence from the game one they're going to do game two? I thought it was more MK have got the confidence they're going to at least go to it all the time. But then looking at the goals, goal scored, it was. Yeah, third three goals were power plays. So that's got to do some good confidence for your power play. Lines one and two for power play, and not so good for their PK lines. Yeah, they were. They took some silly penalties as well. I mean, it was one thing that I noticed, particularly with um, the likes of Cole Shudra, um, there were a couple of times where I thought he was taking a penalty that he, he could have probably avoided taking. Andy, what, what did you think with the discipline of both sides? I mean, obviously, we, we took a fair few in the pre-season, and now... A few people were kind of saying, oh, maybe we're going to be a bit of an ill-disciplined team. I think we brought that back a little bit, but what did you think to the way we both played in terms of those penalties? I think you spot on. I think in some places, um, I think discipline could be 
better. Uh, I think these being a bit more disciplined in, in, in areas. Uh, hopefully that will be addressed uh, with the coaches. Uh, but yeah, there's a few bad hits um, that I've seen, uh, a few bad things, but hopefully that won't be a story for the season. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I completely agree. Um, Dave, I mean, we, we, we then jump, same day we jump from Sheffield Middleton Keynes, we jump over to Dundee Stars, Glasgow Clan, a very, a very tightly fought game. Um, certainly looked like another cat and mouse game, and, and it finished close as well. A 2 1 win for the Dundee Stars. Yeah, indeed, and it, it, it kind of looked at the highlights. Um, it's kind of what we predicted. Um, very tight team performance from Dundee. The, the net man had given them the, the, the opportunity to, to get a win. And County and, and Marquardt, ex Sheffield Steeler, getting the game winner against the Glasgow Cam. Uh, Scott Pitt with their goal. Um, but, you know, there were some great opportunities for both sides. Um, the Glasgow clan that might have pulled off an unreal save diving from post to post. Um, oh, that was fantastic. fantastic. That alone. Um, so, you know, it was the standard was good. Um, from what, you know, when you look years back and you see games, sort of the inter-Scottish games, you know, Dundee, Edinburgh, Dundee, Fife, Fife, Glasgow, Stroke, Brayhead, and they were really scrappy, really slow, really, you know, not good to watch. Highlights alone, and okay, I don't, you know, cover all 60 minutes, but the highlights alone... It looked a good game and a good standard. So I think that's going to bear well for the rest of the season for both sides. Okay, um, Glasgow didn't get the result they wanted, but you start somewhere. Um, and I'm sure um, Pete Russell will take all the positives from this weekend. Um, obviously, a point the night before. Um, and then you're going to, to next weekend's games. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, Andy, I mean, we talked about Dundee and Glasgow last week. We said that we thought both teams have massively improved on the squads that they had last year. And, I mean, I, I don't know if you watched the highlights or not, but a 2-1 win for the Dundee Stars, and that's certainly looking like Dundee have started out of the blocks uh, well. Have, yeah, I have seen the highlights, and some of the goals were uh, absolutely beautiful. Uh, I mean, there was one where it was almost, it was almost like, a, like a blind pass, but someone was there and, and there was just so much room to slot in. The chemistry between them is it is incredible so far. They've got some really good players in that, on that team and certainly uh, two dark horses, really. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Greff, have you, have you had a chance to watch the highlights from that game? I've not watched the highlights yet, but it's good to see the, the old gaffer, Omar Pasha, getting a win. It was nice to see Scotty Pitt as well, ex-Storm player, getting a goal. That's also a good start. I mean, hopefully, the season, as the season goes along, it doesn't score as many against Storm, but he gets a good amount. <laughs> yeah, you always, it's, ne- it's never good to see returning players score against you, is it? I mean, it's not looking good for us with Marco, because I've got to say, the goal from Marco to finish his day, you said, was, was a, a work of art. It was, <laughs> it was a beautiful move out of the way to avoid the hip check coming in and then just to slot it... F- in front of the goal, pull the goalie out and just slot it past his far leg. It was just a fantastically worked goal. Um, we talked about discipline in in our uh, when we were talking about the Steelers MK game. We you know we're now talking about Dundee and Glasgow. Discipline a, a bit of a factor in that game. I mean, the first goal came from a delayed a delayed penalty goal, um, and it was the guy that we were talking about last week, Zach Fitzgerald. Obviously, we said he was the guy to lead from the from the front as the captain. Um, a bit of a silly penalty, Dave. It, for all Fitz's plus points, and there are a lot of Fitz's plus points, 
you just get the odd one um, where it, it appears from from watching it that it, you know he didn't need to do the hits, didn't need to, to to finish the hit. He could have you know played the puck, allowed the game to flow. Um, and you know with a bit of two one game, it, it, it becomes very costly. Um, you know, and it's, it's it's one of them things where you, you see it and you just think. He'll be this. He'll do the same. He'll reflect. You know, should I have done that? Especially as captain, he'll be like, should I have done this? Should I have done that? He'll he'll play on him. Um, and you know, with Fitzy, it is a risk you have with Fitzy. There's a, like I said, there's a heck of a lot of good about Fitzy, but they're the things that you know, it's, it's the nature of his game. Um, and you know, it turns out to 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 bite him on the backside. You know, next time, you know, Glasgow may kill off the penalty. I think it's you know. It's, it's, it's hurting this week. Maybe next week it will be as bad. But yeah, the type of daft penalty, similar in terms of daftness that we saw in Milton Keynes, um, and you know, the the opposition uh, took full advantage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for those who haven't seen it or you know who haven't had a chance to watch the highlights, it, it looked to me. I mean, Fitzy kind of he came up with a bit of a cross check against one of the guys behind the net. Nothing really major. Um, the guy out muscled him and, and ended up taking Fitzy down. Uh, behind the net, as the play carried on, um, the player that took Fitzy down ended up in a corner um, with his back facing, and it, it just looked like Fitzy kind of just came in out of his way, threw in a bit of a cross check, took the guy down. It was nothing. It was nothing dangerous. It just looked like a bit of a heated, um, a bit of a heated move, which maybe after after the incident, he kind of sat down and thought, you know, that's a, that a bit silly. But as, as Dave says, I mean, he's a guy that brings so many more positives to the team. Um, Gref, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's, you know, I don't know whether he's a player that you'd like to see play Man- Manchester or not, but, you know, fit, there's, there's certainly a lot of positives that outweigh Fitzy from the silly penalties like that that, that, that maybe ensue every so often. Oh, definitely. I mean, as a player and a person, he's actually a really nice guy. I mean, every, every time he comes into our penalty box, he's laughing and joking to us. He's even, like, asking for reasons the next time he comes down. Because he knows he's going to be in the box. It's a great laugh. As a player, he's the person you want on that team. Yeah, he's, he'll always stick up for you, <laughs> your players. Yeah, he certainly shows the reason that he's been made captain. For that reason, you know, he leads the guys from the front. He, he obviously is a big fan favourite as well. Um, Andy, we we move from Dundee to Glasgow now. We go from Dundee to Glasgow to Coventry, Guildford. Um, and a one-goal win for the Coventry Blaze. What, what do you think to that? What, what do you think to that as a start for the Coventry Blaze? From what I've seen from the highlights, it was a very end-to-end game. Uh, both sides played a really good, a really good game as well, and uh, it, it was a nice goal. Um, apart from apart from that, you know, it, it was really decent, uh, very very close, and I think that's how game should be. Yeah, it's certainly nice to see you know the, the close games. As we say, I mean, looking over the, the Saturday Sunday, we've seen a lot of one goal games, a couple of two goal games. It's it's always good, and and Coventry was a team that maybe we flagged up as maybe having a bit of a weaker team, or not necessarily weaker, but a bit more of an underwhelming team. Um, Dave, what what do we think to a three two win for Coventry? And that obviously it was the home opener for them. What do we think to a three two win against the Flames? A uh, good result for the for the Blaze uh, on two fronts. One, they obviously they um they added um the reversal of the Nut Point Guildford and lost. So it was always good to get a win. Very similar to Sheffield in terms of, you know, losing one night, get the confidence back. But also 
you know, get a win in front of their own crowd, give the fans something to buy into, something to believe in, and to do it from the off, um, we'll, we'll do them you know, the world of good. Um, I mean, we saw last year there was a period where, something bizarrely, um, they, they, I think they lost like eight home games on the, on the stretch, but they, their attendance on that eight games increased. They saw that their team was trying, that they was giving everything that they could. So to get the results along with that effort, and from like I've not seen the, the highlights yet, um, but from other people who've said it, you, it was very much a heart and soul performance from the Blaze. Um, you know that will help them. You know along uh, in many ways, and if they get the results, get the crowd on, on board again, get that that barn full, um, they, 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 they'll prove us wrong, and they'll they'll be a dangerous team to play against. Yeah, um, oh, I mean, obviously, as you say, you know, it, it was a great game for both. I've watched the highlights. It certainly looked very end-to-end. Um, the one note that I'd have was, I think, Guildford's goals looked a lot. I, I mean, Andy, I, feel free to, to, to chip in on this, because you say you've seen the highlights. I'm, I'm assuming, Gref, you've not had a chance to watch them yet. Yeah, obviously, no, I haven't seen the Dundee ones. But, um, and, and Andy, feel free to chip in on this. But, I mean, the, the, what, one thing that I noticed, the Guildford goals were very well executed. They were nice shots. Um, you know, maybe from far out, slot goals in the slot, that type of thing, very nicely finished goals. You go on the flip side, Coventry were, were very much picking up on the scrappy plays, picking up on the turnovers. Um, you know, there was a bit of a fumble in front of the Guildford net to get the third goal, I believe it was, um, and they ended up getting the wraparound while there was a bit of confusion there. Not necessarily saying it, it, it's a point to note, saying that the Guildford team may be looking at more goals throughout the season because they scored the, the nicer goals in that game but if anything the flip side you know Coventry being able to pick up, up on those opportunities it's certainly a good thing going forwards to be able to pick up the scrappy goals it is I mean it, sometimes the games even the scrappy ones you know that they mean the most in the playoff finals we've seen quite a few scrappy goals you know especially with Steelers uh, against the Panthers last year last season and uh, but yeah it, it a goal's a goal, and uh, no matter how it goes in, you know, it's a result that matters. Yeah, exactly. Um, Greth, I mean, I'll ask you the same question that I asked you about the uh, the, the Steelers game. Obviously, we, we didn't get your kind of predictions on the game. Going into that game, who would have been your favourite to get the result? Would you have been favouring Coventry in the home fixture? Would you have been favouring the Flames after the win the day before? I would have been favouring the Flames, not just that from the win before, but the squad they've got now, they've, they've improved it a lot. They've still got some of their top players from last season as well, which is good for Guildford. It, what I can see from looking at the stats-wise, though, it looks like it was all Guildford in the third period, and Coventry Blazers' defence was superb, because Coventry only had five shots that whole third period. And that's like, third period, 20 minutes, only five shots. It's got to be... Unbelievable defence. Yeah. Stop Guildford. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, taking nothing away from Coventry, uh, from Coventry as a team, or even even from Guildford from a from a netminding perspective. I think one of the things that I saw from the from the highlights was that we certainly saw the Beekman of the last couple of seasons turn up. You know, to beat the the on form stellar stand up netminding style of Beekman. You know, we certainly saw that come through in that game and I think that was one of the big contributing factors for Coventry what do you think that Geneva you know, is going to bring to the Lightning uh, to the Lightning to the Blaze this year he's got to bring is pretty much his A game some games he'll not it'll look like he's not fully there which obviously 
even us as players, we know that we don't, we're not always going to have an amazing game. But when he brings it, he's going to be unbeatable. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think we've touched on a lot of the netminders over the last couple of weeks and uh, I think netminding is going to be a big place for a lot of people to kind of, a lot of teams to make that difference. Um, we discussed last week, obviously, the change for the five flyers back to Shane Owen in goal. Um, it brings us to the last game of the Sunday uh, in the five flyers and the Belfast Giants. David, a 3-1 win for the Belfast Giants. Um, what are your thoughts? Um, on the looks of it, it was a comfortable win for the Giants. Uh, there's been no highlights um, put out yet. Um, and to make it worse for the, the Belfast fans that wanted to watch it, the webcast um, went down uh, before face-off, so they didn't get to see any of the game. Uh, but Darcy Murphy got a hat-trick, the second hat-trick back on the Sunday, um, and Scott Arson with a um, consolation goal for the Flyers. Again, you know, um, expected result, give or take. Um, you'd say you know, the one place you'd expect the shocks would be five, but no. Yeah, Belfast um, carried on and, and got a good uh, two points away from home. Um, we'll help them when they uh, back to the to the the SSE Arena um, this weekend. Yeah, no, I I, um, I very much agree. Obviously, we you know, we we discussed the uh, the atmosphere of Fife and the effect that that building can have. Um, so for for Belfast to go to the away game so early on in the season and bring a three one win certainly was a a big win for for Belfast. Andy, uh, obviously it was a 3-1 win, comfortable win in, in that respect. When you've got all your goals coming from the same guy, um, where does that leave Belfast in terms of going from the game? Obviously it's a good result for them, but where do they go from there obviously to try and, you know, to, to build on that? They've got some, they've got a good result out of it, but what, what do they do to, to build up on the scoring? Do they look at that game and just go, okay, he had a great game and, and others contributed, or do they look at it and say, right, we need to start building with his other goal scorers as well. I think what uh, uh, Keith might do now is he might take with training and try different line combinations. So he might put Darcy Murphy on a different line and maybe move someone up just to try to even that scoring out a bit. But it is something that, that we are seeing quite a bit with the teams is that uh, some of the goals are coming from one or two players. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's just getting that chemistry right between just that balance between lines and I think you know, practice and training is, is the best time to, to, to do that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, Greta, I'm going to ask you the same question again, mate. What, what was your expectation going into that game? I think we had a bit of a split bag between um, Dave, Andy and myself last, last, last podcast. Um, what, would you, what would have been your expectation? Would you have expected five to win? Obviously, I know that you said you'd have expected the Flames to win on the last game. Obviously, you didn't get that result. Would you would it would it been the same thing? Would you have expected five to get the win in their building, or were you, were you strong on thinking that Belfast would have gone and taken their A game so early and so early on? I would have thought Belfast would have took the A game straight away. I mean, looking at the, the goals, yeah, Darcy Murphy scored all three, but each goal was assisted by Patrick Dwyer, so they've surely got the chemistry there. Put on another play with them, get the chemistry going for that. That line's going to be immense the whole season. They're going to be in the top, at least top 10 for point scoring. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd certainly be surprised if we didn't see see Belfast up there in the mix, and that's that's one of the reasons. You know, Dave, you highlighted last last podcast that 
you know, the ACDC line, as we say, for, for Coventry a few years ago was certainly a dominant line for Coventry that year. And, and they were a hard team to beat. And, you know, they, they weren't, not necessarily saying that they were the only line, but they were certainly the standout line. So it certainly shows, goes to show that having a team with one particular go-to line can be a good tactic to get that. Well, not necessarily a tactic, but it can be a good block to build the team on. Well, history shows that in the Elite League, if you have a, a deadly combination, you end up having the Monty ball coming to your rink. Um, in Sheffield, Talbot, Leguay, and like we said, Calder and Carlson. Um, but a point I just wanted to raise about Belfast's performance this weekend, they got seven goals spread across four players. Um, yes, uh, Dwyer and um, Murphy got the, the points end of it, but a decent spread across their roster. Um, with the point, Bowen got a couple of goals the night before in Dundee, and with Vandermeer and Rufford supplying the first two goals, it's a nice good spread, but I will definitely um, advocate on that one. If they can get the, the Dwyer and Murphy line, um, with an extra person line and really hitting the straps early, it's the type of line that we've seen with silverware, league silverware, not just the cups, but the league. So, like I said, it's again, it's another dangerous sign. Good for the fans of the Giants, but it's a dangerous sign to see them hitting the mark early. Yeah, certainly having one strong line is one thing, but having a primary scoring in that first line and also such good secondary scoring coming in as well is, uh, is certainly a good foundation. Um, Dave, uh, in fact, no, Andy, I'm going to come back to you on this one. Um, it's the last game that we've really got to recover, that we've, we've really got to recap. It's the second Steelers game of the podcast, just because obviously the, we, we're doing this on the Thursday night. Um, yesterday, the Steelers um, took five took them through to overtime and obviously got the win. Andy, what was your what was your impression of the game? I think it was a it was a really good game. Uh, both teams had that edge, you know, the uh, the uh, that sort of instinct, you know, where, where we started off the game with uh, with um, Lawrence, uh, yeah, quite a couple of parts in that one as well. Uh, and yeah, um, apart from that, there was a few few good goals as well. It was, it was a really good game. And uh, I think when it goes into overtime, it, it just shows that, you know, Fife have got a good team as well this year. So it really is that, that sort of one-goal game that I think we will see quite a lot. Yeah. Gref, what what would have, um, what were your impressions of the game? Or were you following it on Twitter? Were you just, did you wake up in the morning and see the result? We know your tendency to, to fall asleep at evenings. So, you know, were you, were you following the game or, or was it just a case of you saw the game, the result afterwards and, you know, what was your impression of it? No, I was following it on Twitter. It seemed a bit feisty at times. I mean, we had a Chris Lawrence fight. That was... I expected Lawrence to drop the, the gloves at one point, but not that soon. Probably would have been like the third period. It's nice to see Ricky get a goal. Ricky Bergens, ex-Storm player. The guys are brilliant. And then you got Pitt getting another goal for you guys. But then also Mark Matheson getting two. That's, from a, a coach point of view, that's that's pretty good for me, do you, man? Yeah, Dave, I mean, I, as I say, I, I wasn't, unfortunately, I wasn't at the game. I was actually at the Arctic Monkeys um, concert instead. Um... Obviously, you were there. What, what were your impressions of the game? Obviously, as Gress says, two goals for Matheson, it's a great start. And it's something that necessarily we didn't see a great deal of from Matheson last year. We didn't. Um, I'll, I'll go on to, to, to Matheson in a bit. I, for me, I felt it was a it was a bit of a scrappy game. 
it was still a good pace, good hits. One that was a bit questionable, and uh, I think we'll go on to the uh, repercussions of that later on. But it was, you know, good chances from both ends. I mean, in fairness, Sheffield could have, you know, blown Fife out of the waters after 20 minutes. They really could have just destroyed them. Fife held on. Um, so, you know, when I say somehow, obviously they got more goals than, than Sheffield, but they had the lead after two. But you just kind of think, how on earth have they, given the, how the game panned out, how they got the lead? But, you know... Then the third period a bit more open. Um, went back to to all three two three three. Um, you know some good goals. Pinkston uh, bullet from the blue line. Um, whistle was a bit uh, screened, um, but nice finish from him. Uh, Josh Pitt's finish was nice. And again, it, it's cl- the close games. I mean, five have improved tenfold on that performance. Um, that for me, I didn't feel that they tried playing in the wig type game, you know, hold back, hold back and go on the break. They, they played the game and they went for the win from the off. Um, and even after the, the long uh, bus journey. So, three, five have, have really improved and uh, they're going to live up to their pesky Flyers title very well. I, I think they're going to take points off a lot of people. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of the, the home fans are, are bemoaning the fact that it went into overtime, but if I'm honest, you know, given the, the big change around in Sheffield, um, the 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 link-ups won't be as quick as, as you know as other teams. I mean, in fairness, yeah, we just mentioned Dwyer and Murphy in Belfast, and they've new players have come in. Sometimes they just do click, and they're the type of combinations that do you know want to win titles, like we mentioned before, different uh, combinations in the past. But I think from a Sheffield perspective, it's another win, and it's a home win, um, which obviously they uh, they obviously lost on Saturday against it in a full house. Um, one thing just to note, just to slightly take it off, off uh, topic, two home games for Sheffield, over 13,000 fans. Now, OK, Sheffield have done a, the non-team ticket games and a fire of a ticket, but given a game straight after a, so two home games very close by, I think that's a fantastic effort and good to see them type of numbers um, in the Elite League. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, I know there's a bit of a, com- <laughs> a bit of a conversation going on between certain teams as to who can bring in the most fans. Yes, as you say, he's coming in from five five pound tickets, but you know, new fans coming in for five pound a ticket. From those, I'm sure, particularly from the two games that have gone, um, I'm sure there's a few that are going to be returning. You know, both games we've seen fights. Chris Lawrence dropping the gloves in both home games. Um, a considerable, a, a decisive win for Lawrence on the on the first um, in the game against MK, and then obviously, as you say, we've got the David Phillips fight and a fight with Chris Lawrence. In the game yesterday, certainly, and obviously the goals as well. I mean, it's not just the fights that draw people in, but seeing the fights, seeing the action, seeing the hits, seeing good goals, and again going to overtime as well. It's certainly going to be things that that draw in a crowd and bring people to quit. And, and there's a number of stories of people saying, "Oh, this is their first game. I've enjoyed this. I want to come back. When's the next game?" So if that's going to help, you know, when it comes to a full price game, and you're seeing an average of five and a half, six, six and a half thousand at the arena, you want to see them figures in the Elite League. And you look at it percentage-wise, you know, because obviously the likes of other teams um, can't get six and a half thousand, but you want to see them at 75, 80, 85% full, because that's good for the league. It's good for the game. It creates atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and it also, you know, gives teams budget to to keep strong sides. So, you know, it was, that's to say, like Manchester, you know, if they would, let's say, three months down the line and they had an injured bit, but they was like... To over 2,000 each of their home games, they'd have the budget to keep that team if they was on a run. So it's good for the league that we have these, you know, rinks at 75, 80, 85% full. You want to push for 100%, but 
no business will settle for for less. But if you can get on average 70, 75, 80 percent, it bodes well for the league. And you know, I mean, you look at Cardiff and the CHL. You've got they play the team that have topped the European league averages over the last five years every year. And they averaged 16,500 fans in a 17, just over 17,000 building. So they regularly hit the 90, 95% with a season ticket um, capacity of 13,000. So that's the type of things you want to aim for, the, the percentage-wise. So if it works for Sheffield, I know Nottingham have had good attendances so far. Belfast have done a very similar thing. Um, it's a buy one, get one free on their tickets. Good promotions. If it brings people to the games, that's what we want to see in this league. Um, you know, you obviously want to see your team do better, but you want to see, you know, buildings fuller. Dundee have sort of noticed they've got better attendances. Fife, again, the same thing. Glasgow is going to try and get theirs back to when they were selling out. And obviously Manchester have, uh, have flirted with the sellout signs on a regular basis over the past few years. So across the board, you want to see the numbers up. And if it means promotions like this, I mean, in fairness, you, look, you know, 4,500 on a Wednesday night. That couple of years ago would have been probably 1,100 at Ice Sheffield. And no disrespect to Ice Sheffield, very nice venue. Um, but from a business perspective, four and a half gives any club in that capacity more to do. Yeah. More, you know, more outlets. So, you know, good on Sheffield to, to have the confidence to do it. Um, and good on the the, uh, the hockey watching public that's actually turned out for the game. So, you know, let's let's see what if you know. If other clubs follow suit, obviously Belfast have done the same. Cardiff are going to have, they'll have big attendances. Obviously this weekend they raise their league title banner, so they'll have good attendances. So let's see if we can get good percentages across the board in the Elite League this year. Yeah, it's certainly something that that's, um, that's good to see across the league, as you're saying. You know, if we can start bringing in more fans throughout the league, it's always, a good, it's always going to be good. Um, one thing that I wanted to raise from the Sheffield Fife game, and it opens it up to a bit more of a discussion, it's not necessarily so result-fixed, but it's something that I've seen happen across the league over the last few few years, and it, it's just something that, it, it, to, to, to coin a, um, a family guy phrase, it, it grinds my gears a little bit, it, it irritates me. Um, it, at the end of the game in Sheffield, Jesse, uh, Jordan Owens brings in, a, a, a great move to score the goal. In comes crashing. I think was it Scott Arson that came crashing in. Yeah. So in, in comes crashing. Scott Arson absolutely wipes out Jordan Owens on top of the netminder. I mean, Arson must have had four feet off the floor at one point, and then he lands on his own netminder. That's just thoughtless. It, it's. I mean, the number one rule in hockey as a, as for hockey players, whether you're playing rec, whether you're playing beer league whether you're playing in the NHL, the number one rule is protect your goalie. And so to see the guy coming in completely thoughtlessly after the goal's been scored with absolutely no... There would have been no benefit from it. The, the putt was already in the back of the net. He wasn't stopping a goal to wipe the guy out. If anything, it just kind of looked like, oh, I'm a bit late to the play and I could have probably stopped that. Oh, I'll take him out. The, the it, result it just shows of that, that the game have... of hockey doesn't love goalies, if I'm honest with you. you know, yeah. No one cares about the goalies. And you know, it, it's sad. It the game hockey needs to love the goalies. You know, goalies deserve as much love as the forwards. You know, let's have this campaign now, here and now. Goalies need more love. Um, but on a serious point, you're right. You know, you see a number of uh, of incidents where the players are colliding and, and taking the goalies out, and you see a bit. You know, we've had it in Sheffield a few times. Um, I know other fan bases uh, keep reminding us about the uh, the Armstrong and Wheatman incident. But you know, it leads to to certain players which. You ask, is it, is it, again, is it thoughtful? 
have you used have you used to, could you have pulled out the player to prevent that happening um was it a case of it you know there's nothing you could have done it's it's it's, it's a problem where nothing could be done and it's just unfortunate that the goalie is colliding and taken out on that occasion i'm pretty certain arson could have stopped that and not you know wipe owens out and took out um owen that's that's the thing for me. You look at the uh, you look at the Veetman Armstrong incident. I mean, we certainly pre-season friendlies a couple of times. I know that Martinelli took one of the um, I can't remember which game it was, but one took one of the Swedish players over into whistle. The referee quite bafflingly bafflingly then calling the Swedish player for goaltender interference. But um, you know, I've seen it in those aspects. Things like it, things like with Armstrong. Armstrong's clear on goal, and then the cross check comes in takes him into Veetman. I can kind of see it from a defensive perspective of they're thinking, I've got to stop the guy. They're not thinking the effect on the goalie. Yes, you know, they should be doing, but that I can kind of half understand. But then just the thing with Arson just raised it with me. There was just no point. He wasn't stopping anything. It was just stupid. And as I say, the, the main thing for me was, yes, Owens falling on Owen could have done, that's confusing to say, but Owens falling on <laughs> Owen could have caused some damage. But I mean, Arsenal was, he was literally about four feet off the floor and then landed on him. I mean, that could have yeah. been career, that could have been season over. It's, it's, I think sometimes from hearing other people and other defenders talk about the type of when defenders going to goals or defenders going to forwards are going to goals, you kind of um, see it where they don't think about it. Um, they just go for it to take the player out, and it, you know you just end up taking the goals out. Yeah, no, I agree. Gref, what's what's your take on it? What what, what do you think to um to how it do you know how how that's that's that that kind of progression's been going? Uh, I watched the I saw that 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 part of the highlight on Twitter this morning. It seemed it was pretty silly. It was like. As a defenseman myself, it's like, why would you do that? You'd know that they're already going to score. It's already in the back of the net. Why do that? It's some of the plays that are rather silly. Yeah, no, why I would you even do that. It just it just makes just makes no sense. Andy, what what do you think? Oh, again, you know, it... I just think he had a lot of time to pull out of that, and you know. But it's already been scored. I don't understand the need to sort of like go in and then take the guy out. Um, it's like Dave said, just keep in mind of, that, of the Armstrong incident. And there's just no need for it. I mean, it was clearly Scars and Swat. There was nothing to do with Owens at all. There was nothing that he could have done. And just absolutely mindless. And, and that's it, really. Yeah, I, I get it from the. I get. I, I understand. I know that there were a few salty Steelers fans that were kind of saying, not necessarily salty being the word, but you know, there were a few Steelers fans that were a bit um, rubbed up the wrong way by the fact that we were then looking at getting a review going for the goal. I mean, I'm not being funny, but what have you got to lose at that point? If you're, if you're fine, can you ask for it anyway. I mean, if you've got a dodgy referee, maybe it's given as goalie interference. If there's something that they pick up on the video, maybe there's a bit of contact beforehand. Maybe that's what happens. Yeah, I'm not necessarily that's what they're playing for. But when you're when it's when it's overtime and it's that kind of situation, you ask for it anyway, don't you? I mean, you see it in the NHL all the time. Obviously, the NHL, if they, um, if they use their if they use their request and it's and it doesn't prove to be right, then obviously they they lose their time out. And the amount of times that you see in the playoffs where a, a goal goes in in overtime or a goal goes in late on in the game, 
and the coach just looks for anything, be it like, oh, the guy was only a couple of inches onside, we'll just review the offside, just triple check that it was onside. Had his skate come off? No, it hadn't. Things like that. You know, you, you see it in the NHL. I, I really don't really have a problem with it, with Fife asking for it. Um, I mean, there could have been things that were picked up that we didn't see. As I say, maybe there was a bit of contact before the goal. You never know. So it was certainly worth the risk. No, I, I agree on that. I mean, exactly. Other sports do the same. Cricket, you know, if you're the last man, you've got to review. You use it just to see if you can prolong um, the game. So, yeah, I, I have no issue with Fife doing it. Um, if they could have got something to prolong the overtime, you do it. So, I, I have no issue whatsoever. Yeah, so, um, I mean, that, that kind of wraps up the, the, the new games that we've had since the, since the last time that we met up. Or met up via video link. Um Obviously, moving on from the games that have just gone, there's, there's been a bit of movement in the league. We've seen Coventry bring in a new player. Um, you know, a decent result for Coventry gone this weekend, so to bring in a player like Tim Crowder as well, it's certainly certainly looking up for them a little bit um, in terms of bolstering their team with a bit more strength. What, what are we thinking, Graf? It seemed like a really good signing, to be fair. They I mean, drafted fifth in the fifth round by Pittsburgh in 2005. That's a pretty, for any player to get drafted, that's really good. Uh, to get a play in 159 games in the French League and get 180 points. That's, no, no disrespect to the French League or anything, they are, that seems like a pretty good league. That's incredible. Even to get 25 goals and 53 assists in the East Coast League, even that's great. Uh, we, we know what Brewers like. We've seen him play in the Elite League last season for Cardiff. So hopefully he doesn't come back to on other teams, but who knows? Yeah, it's certainly going to be an interesting signing. Dave, what, what do we think that a player like Crowder is going to bring to Coventry? We, we discussed last week that maybe they're they're a bit more of an underwhelming team they, they like the, the figures kind of the the ahl the nhl kind of the stats and, and experience across the team bringing in a guy like crowder who's obviously as greth said he's you know he's played 133 games in the echl played the uh, the 159 games in the french league what's he going to add to the team i think it's going to add a bit more um secondary depth firepower um Obviously, you know, he's not the, the, the first guy, first line guy who's going to get 50 goals, but he's going to give him a lot more options on that second line onwards of that. So just a bit more, a bit more powerful depth that they probably were lacking. And, and, and probably what we thought was where they were going to fall short. Um, you know, they had a couple of options and then it kind of was it. Now they've got an, an additional option that, that I think is going to make them just that little bit more dangerous, give them that bit more. Um, I think they've got one more guy to replace, I believe. Memory says it right. Um, so it, Good result on Sunday. They get another guy in, and who knows? They can build on this and and, and carry on with the run and carry on getting them some more good wins. Yeah, I agree. Andy, do you think that um, the signing like Crowder was something that Coventry needed? Yeah, definitely. I think we're lacking that sort of the experience in in, in the East Coast League, and as as Greg said, some good points in the French League as well. Um, I think it, it will also be quite interesting seeing players for the poor or first to five. I think that'll be quite a, quite a friendly rivalry between them. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I agree. I, I think he's, he's certainly going to add some strength to uh, to the Blaze. Um, and yeah, as I say, we, we, we talked about maybe a bit of a lack of experience on their team. Um, 
so yeah, I, I certainly think he's going to be a guy that that, that adds some strength. Um, what what's what's next on the bill? Dops, everybody's favourite topic. Um, maybe opens up to a little bit more of a forum of debate. Maybe there's a there's a bit of um, differences of opinions amongst the four of us. I don't know. We'll start off with the two decisions that have actually been made by Dops. Obviously, we've got the one match ban for Matt Haywood for abuse of official. What's everybody's thoughts on that? Stupid. Absolutely stupid. And I know, you know, yes, it all stems from the puck alleged. I know there's apparently videos I've not seen it, so I'm going to say alleged. The puck hit him in the net, so the game theoretically should have, well, would have been called uh, by the whistle. Um, and it led to five getting a goal in the last minute. But for me, Glasgow failed on the basic of, of sport, is you play to the whistle. They did play to the whistle. They expected the whistle to have gone, but it didn't. And someone someone around that defensive zone should have been able to kind of switch on. For them to get the goal and for Haywood's response where it, it was stupid. Um, I mean, you know, he'll know, especially as being one of the A's this year. Um, it's, and it's not his style of play, if we're honest. He's, he's been there for, for, for a fair while and he's always the calm and collective person. Um, so to wrap that up, it was definitely out of character for him. I'm pretty certain that he'll uh, he'll realise it, and, and you know now he's kind of got the repeat offender tag on him for any abuse of officials, um, which is a dangerous thing after one weekend of the elite league. Um, mm-hmm. I've been an assistant captain, um, so but what what I do like is the league protecting the officials in that respect. Um, the league could have easily just gone, you know, what, you've been going to game misconduct, go away, and we'll see you next week. But they've stepped in and gone, no, this is not what we're going to have. This is not what we want. And I do like that um, in that respect. Um, I think poss- you know, possibly the influence of the new uh, director of ho- ho- hockey operations, my apologies, um, in Michael Hicks has kind of given them, given Dubs that direction to give them the protection. Um, so I, for me, one game was fine. Um, it sent the right message, protected the right people. And you know we all move on, and we we hopefully don't see that type of stuff again. Yeah. What what what, what do um, Gref and Andy? What do you guys think? Me personally, I think Grant is he hit the nail right there. It's I I guess from Hayward's point of view, that's it's more frustration. It's the heat of the moment. I mean, we've all been there, done that. I know it at an official call, but. What can, what can we do? It's not it's heat at the moment. It comes with the game. It's from the passion. But getting the one game suspension, spot right, which as Grantly said, it sets the standard for the season now. If you give abuse to our officials and you get game misconduct, right, you're suspended for a game. Yeah, Andy, what what do you think? Um, I, I completely agree with. Uh, with Dave and Gareth, um, I think he'll know, you know, Matt Haywood, he's, he's been around the game quite a long time, he's played in uh, the Elite League, uh, the, the English Premier League, and it was unknown. Um, I think he'll know, you know, he was in the wrong, it was just one of those, which is one of those things, and I'm sure he'll, he'll put that to rights in the next game. 
Yeah, I mean, one of the things that struck me about it, I mean, it's a bit out of character for Haywood anyway, but one of the things that struck me, obviously, Greth, you say it's a bit of a frustration penalty. One of the things that I thought as well is it almost looked like it may have also been a bit of frustration in himself. I think he probably knew that if he if they'd have played on to the whistle, as, as Dave said, there may have been a different result. And also, you look at that goal, I mean, Haywood kind of puts one of the five players down kind of in the vicinity of the net. Netty, I don't actually know if he goes down on top of the netty or, or what the situation was there, but he was certainly a big contributor to, to making a big rough up in front of the net as, and, and making it, and you know, it was very untidy around the net when the goal went in and that's how those scrappy goals come. So maybe from Haywood, he was also kind of thinking maybe he had a bit more of a hand in that goal coming and maybe he could have done a bit more to stop it. But, um, but no, certainly a stupid thing to do. The net flip was one, and then the, the stink slash was just, it was just, I think every hockey player watching that was just kind of screaming at the screen, just shouting, stop, what are you doing? <laughs> but again, we've all, done, uh, we've all done silly things. Yeah, and like we said, it, it's completely out of character. I think, like Gareth and Andy said, it's a lot of the frustrations of what's happened. I think it's, it's all boiled into one, you know, one's tail that's just not good to look at. And, and hopefully, you know, come end of the year that, that Hayward can watch that and, and laugh about it because, you know, he didn't, you know, cover himself in any glory in that. But like we said, it's out of character for him and I'm pretty certain he'll come back and he'll, uh, he'll do right to um, to his club and, and also the uh, the letter that he's got on his shirt. Yeah, I, I, I certainly agree. Um, we move from that, we go from, um, from that game... There was, a, there was a bit of an incident in the Dundee-Belfast game. Fabrizio Ricci, um, Ricky, I don't know how you pronounce his surname, but he gets a match ban for slew-footing. Andy, have you seen the video? I haven't seen that video now. Have you not? Greth, have you seen it? I've not seen it now, but I've, I've read, I read the report on it, and it, I can see where Dots came from with giving the, the match ban for that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, maybe a bit of a short discussion to us haven't seen it, but uh, but it, it, I mean, Dave, I know you've seen it because I watched it with you. Um, what what was your opinion of it? I mean, they, it was a clear slew for it, in my honest, in my opinion. It, it certainly looked it um, in respect of how the whole play panned out, um, but it also from the angle, it also it went it went one hundred percent clear. Um, that there was there was a few of the riding factors sort of you know positioning it and everything else that it, it anybody watching could have easily taken the stance of well that was a slew foot um okay it weren't a slew foot is not a safe play but it weren't the most dangerous slew foots that we'll see um and we probably will see worse this year and just you know, the nature of the game um so again a, a match you know attempts it stamps it out Again, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, I didn't think it wanted more. Um, maybe if there was more injury to it, then maybe you look at it. So that's where the, the balance of when the injury has an effect on the actual ban. But on all accounts, um, the player came back into uh, to the game. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, on them too. I think they've got it pretty spot on. Yeah, I, I agree. It was a silly move. Um, I've seen people argue that it was just two players coming together and it wasn't a slew for Honestly, I, I mean, I, I think they're talking rubbish. I think anybody can see there was a slew foot there. His foot goes in behind the Belfast player's foot. As his arm comes in on the front, he certainly kicks his leg out and brings his arm back. I think maybe it was more of the opportunity presented itself and he reacted. 
So maybe not the most fully intentional slew fought, maybe because they did kind of come together off the face off and then just kind of it happened. So maybe not the most intentional, but it was certainly a slew foot in there. And I kind of agree. I think they hit the nail on the head with that one again. Um, Andy, I'll bring this one to you because I know that I, I'm a, we've mentioned it a few times. Um, Dops on the whole have had the general rule that two plus ten, five plus game or match penalties for checking to the head and checking from behind are automatically reviewed. Um, there's been a bit of an incident over the last week or so that, that may be contrary to that. Can you, uh, you fill us in a little bit more? Yeah, definitely. From what I saw, it's definitely uh, contact to the head on, on Jonathan Phillips, and uh, I'm really surprised it's not being reviewed. Uh, and it, even if it was reviewed, an explanation as to why no ban was given or as to why a ban was given. So for me, it, it's a strange one and a bit of a question mark on it, really, for me. Yeah, and the incident that, that Andy obviously talks about, as he says, is Jonathan Phillips was hit to the head uh, by Griffin in the Milton Kings Lightning game. Uh, also leads on to another topic that we're going to bring in, uh, but we'll bring that in in a moment. But... Um, yeah, what was the penalty actually given to him? Was it a 2 plus 10 or was it a 5 plus game given to him for that? 2 plus 10. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, I agree with Andy. I mean, I, I wouldn't have minded it if they'd have gone on and said, we've reviewed it and we've decided that no actions to be taken. I'd have disagreed based on the precedent they set with the David Phillips hit. I'd have said it was very similar. But just to even just go out and basically just say, we've reviewed it. I mean, I've, I'm looking on the Twitter page now just to see if they've posted it afterwards. There's nothing. There's not even any indication they've had a look. Yeah, I think the, the thing that's let down in this respect is communication that they've not said. And they did it last year where they said that we, these are automatically reviewed. And even on the Saturday for the Sunday, they've, they've mentioned it quite quickly. And they were they were very quick off the mark in that respect last year. They've, you know, if they had communicated it, I think it would have... Uh, Give us something to understand. We wouldn't necessarily have to agree with, but we give us something to understand. So maybe you know it's their first week of the season as well. You know they weren't going to have a perfect weekend because no one has a perfect weekend. So let, you know, let's say that you know it was that first weekend that it's just a, they just you know forgot to do the the communication side of things. I mean I'm, you know like I say the hits to the head were all or penalties of such nature were um, automatically reviewed. So I'm, I'm assuming that they'll have reviewed and, and they'll have uh, taken a stance, which on the slow-mo, I don't know how they can not give anything, um, if I'm honest. Because, um, you know, Griffin looked like he had control of the hit. And it looked like it was head contact. Um, so, but either way, I think... The crucial thing from, from from my perspective with DOPS is if they communicated it with the rest of the league and the wider hockey community in terms of in the country, we'd have something to go, okay, fine, then we move on. We can disagree with it, but we'll move on. And I think that's where, that, that's the worst of it, if I'm honest, is the lack of the communication. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I, Greth, in my honest opinion, I think getting those automatic reviews in, particularly for the checks to the head and obviously for the, the checks from behind as well, for the for the potential injuries arising out of those. I think it was a great precedent that DOP set is to have to automatically have those reviewed. I don't necessarily think that all the penalties were necessary to automatically review, but those two particular penalties I think have been good. It's a it's a bit of a slippery slope, isn't it, to, to start not reviewing those and start having to have the teams request reviews on, on those types of hits. Yeah, as like as like Grant said before, no one really has a, a perfect week. So 
who knows, they're behind the scenes. They could be looking at it still, but who knows? But, however, we might not know as well, which that could be the most frustrating part of the plan, not knowing if they reviewed it or not. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, th- I think with, in fairness, you know, it's the first week of the season. I think we can all kind of put it behind us. It's, it's, it's more just a, a point of, are we, are, we setting a, are we setting a bar here or has, has it just been a mistake? But no, I, I completely agree. Um, so from Andy, obviously, because I know we, we discussed the, the Dops call. Uh, Dave, I'm going to bring the next one over to you for the same kind of reason. I know that we've had this discussion. <laughs> You've got a big smile on your face. There's been a couple of incidents over the last couple of games that I know have uh, rubbed you up the wrong way. Um, do you want to go into a bit more detail about those? They have. Um, and it's the instigator penalty. Now, before I carry on, the referees who have called it, by its current definition, have called it spot on. So well, this this mini rant is not at the referees for calling it. What they've done was, by the rules and by the definitions, was correct. But the rule itself, for me, is rubbish. Is is just absolutely rubbish. For, so my perspective, the instigator, the, using the word instigator in a penalty, is the start of it. For me, it's used as another tool to reduce fighting in the game. Bad hits traditionally have always been answered and, and self-policed on the ice. Obviously, you know the referees will call the penalty, etc. But the players make players honest. This penalty, the instigator penalty has protected has allowed guys to go running running people um, running and making bad hits and we've seen a couple of them um, and we saw Lawrence pick up two over the two games in Sheffield against Milton Keynes and Fife last night we saw Boxhill uh, pick one up um, now for me if you're having that rule and we're going to call it the instigator it's the start what's caused it what's the initial cause not what's caused the fact what's caused what, what started the whole process going and it's the hit so for me i i think you know it's it, it, it don't fit in my eyes if i'm brutally honest it makes no sense if you want to protect if you want to reduce fighting fine i have, I have no issue in that context i may not agree with it, but if that's where the hockey world wants to go fine but if you're not going to start saying i know it's been in for a few years but they're hitting hard on it now and they have done for the past year and a half yeah or so that if, if you are not allowed to protect your players by a hit that you deem as a player, because players are honest to players, if you're not allowed to protect that player and, and, and make them, you know, answer their actions, because referees may have missed it, you know, and referees do miss stuff. They may be looking at one way and just completely missed the hit. So they may not be able to call it. So if we're saying that we can't protect our players through a bit of self-policing, I think that's a road that's wrong for the game. Um, I know there's an overall reduction in fighting, and this is not me saying we should have fighting, we should have the knuckle-draggers back in the game. No, don't want them. I want the fast players, the big hits, the, the physical guys, but the skillful guys. But they need protection as well. Um, and you see, you know, let's just, let's just go to the top leagues. You know, players like Ovechkin, Crosby, you know, then they get run, and they get, they get hurt and injured, and they could be out for like six weeks, eight weeks, two, three, four months for whatever injuries by a hit. And their guy comes in to protect him, right for so in my eyes, and then they get penalised more than the hit. To me, there's just no balance. You know, one of the great things for me as well is everything balances out. Everything evens itself out. If you're going to do something, it'll happen back to you. And it can't, you know, you, it, it's a self-honest in-game. This rule completely destroys that. 
and I just I hate it. I, I, I don't like the concepts in how it's been used by the, the governing bodies of the game. It's just something that I just it just doesn't sit well with me at all. No, I agree. I, for me, it opens up doors for the game to start getting dirtier again. It, it, yeah, I mean, I'm not talking of going back to the, the years of like the Broad Street Bullies and, and things like that, obviously, where every game there ended up being line brawls and bench clearances, but it brings the game back to being that kind of time when slew footing, clipping, checks from behind, bad slashes, you know, it brings it back to times like that. I mean, maybe you've got your less skillful players on a team that start throwing in maybe a submarine hit on somebody or, or they, they hit a guy to the head. They're quite happy to sit down for two plus for, two, for 12 minutes or sit out the rest of the game. Their team ain't losing out on it. That's what they're signed for. They rile up the rest of the team and then they get somebody like, you know, all right, Chris Lawrence has been signed for a fourth line fit. But I mean, maybe, maybe they're playing Glasgow. Maybe Fitzgerald steps in. Fitzgerald steps in to protect his own player and then they end up losing the captain for 12 minutes plus the fight. So 17 minutes for their captain sitting down for sticking up for their guy. I, it just... Gref, I, I'll pass it over to you, Gref, because obviously me and David both kind of put something in on this, but what, what's your take on it? Because I, I mean, I'm very much in agreement with Dave. I agree with both years on the instigator part. My opinion on it would have... My, what I would have thought it would have been would be like, for example, if I... Did like a, a light hit on Stafford, for example, and then you've coming down. You have to catch like, him first. Skating, you, yeah, you've skated across. <laughs> you've skated across from like back in the D zone and checked me, and then we've gone for it. I would have thought that would have been more of an instigator than if you just, yeah, my hit is led to you skating towards me, but you're the one that's actually hitting me and hitting me and saying, come on, check your gloves, check your gloves, check your gloves. That would that that would have what I would have thought it would have been, but for some of the calls that I've seen, it's not been the correct call. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I can see it from the Lawrence perspective. The first time round, the hit on Jonathan Phillips from Griffin, I can see that. Yeah, Lawrence travelled a fair distance to join the fight. That's fine. If you want to call that as an instigator, I still disagree with it. I still think that the guy should answer the bell. And if the guy has to come from the other side of the ice to join it, I mean, he'd come off the bench, but if he has to come from the other side of the ice to join it, then so be it. But if we're going to if we're gonna go by that, I don't mind that one being called as much. But when Lawrence is hit from behind, gets up and fights the guy, Andy, I, I don't know what you think to this. In my opinion, it's just it's just not an instigation. If he's being hit from behind the, the, and then gets up and fights the guy, the hit from behind is the instigation, not him getting up and fighting him. Yeah, I agree with you all. Um, it, it, it's a rule that doesn't make sense to me because someone's on your team, they're not just someone on your team, they're your friend. And if, if they're getting hit in such a dangerous way, obviously your first instinct is you know to say, well, that's not on. You shouldn't be doing that. And instinct tells you to go to that player and off, and offer them for a fight because it's not acceptable and it shouldn't be tolerated as an acceptable um, thing to do. So in my mind, a player has every right to stick up for his teammate. And it, yeah, it's a real that just baffles me and shouldn't be there in the first place. I think for me, it also boils down to one thing in respect of what would you rather see? Would you rather see the two-on slash in the back of the leg? Or would you see two guys, two hockey players, step up face-to-face, solve the differences in the hockey way? Now, I know that there's other issues that, you know, with 
with fights and head injuries and all that. But to me, I think it boils down to what would you rather see? Do you want to see the uh, the band play to slash on the back of the leg that could you know you know do some serious damage? Could end a guy's career. Or yeah, the hit could end a guy's okay. career. I know we've seen fights that could also do the same. Yeah, yeah. To balance it. Look at um, look but, at Tyson Marsh and um, and Cam yeah, Jensen. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he shows the same thing. Ended with that. But the, the thing um, is, though, when, when you've made that hit and then you're answering the bell, you know, you, you've put a player in that position, so to answer the bell and put yourself in that position, it's just, it, 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 it's a catch-22, I, I agree with that. Um, uh, I, I, to me, if you're going to use that and have that, I think it needs a bit more, I think it needs to be a bit, for me, get a bit more game-savvy input into that ruling. Yeah. Um, to, it, to have it where, because I, I can see where the, the, the governing bodies are wanting that you know, you don't want to see any because what we have seen is players make a good hit and let's have a line brawl. Well, we don't want that because you know, a good hit's a good hit, you know, let's celebrate a good hit. Um, but you know, bad hits are bad hits and they need to be looked after in the way hockey looks after bad plays. So, I, I, I'd love if, if any referees, whatever level, listen to this, and we hope they do, they can come back and say, you know, this is why this rule is. And, and, and say that we're wrong and, and give us a reason why it's a good rule and fair play. But I just, me personally, I just don't see how it fits. No, I, I agree. Um, I've been bringing in, the, bringing in the referees and I'll, I'll bring Andy back in on this because I know, again, Andy's raised a point earlier to us. Um, something that, and it, it irritates me as well, and I know, I know you highlighted it, it's something that's got, my, that's got me annoyed for, again, about a couple of seasons. It's the way that linesmen come in to break up fights as well. You, you ignore the instigator penalty for a second. You see two players going at it like they're going like to go, both consenting to go and just about to drop their gloves. And then all of a sudden, each one's grabbed from behind by the linesman, swung out of the way and, and, and like basically dragged back to the bench. Um, Andy, I know, I know that you were saying that that's been a bit of a bugbear of yours. Do you want to, do you want to go into a bit more detail and, and let us know what, what, what's your opinion on that? For some people, fighting hockey is a bit of a taboo. Um, I don't understand why, because it's, it's been in the game for well over a century now. Um, if two guys want to go at it, you know, for whatever reason, uh, then just let them. Don't get too involved to a point where, you know, you, you try and take that out of the game. Uh, it shouldn't be like that. Only for a linesman to interrupt a fight is when someone's in uh, a position where they are, you know, physic- f- physically hurt, they're on the ground, uh, and I think that's the only time when linesmen should intervene to win a fight. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, Gref, we saw this particularly in Manchester last last year. Oh, sorry, I can't speak. We saw this in Manchester last year. Um, obviously, at the start of the season, there was an incident. Was it Chris Wells that was the referee? He grab somebody, drag them out the way. The I thought Wells was, was a lineup at that point. Yeah, Corey, Corey, Corey Cowick. He got like a six-game plan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but what, what's what's your opinion from that? I mean, I I know that, you know, in my opinion, I think he's, I think linesmen go in too hard. If they want to split it up, they want to split it up. But, you know, in a hockey game when tempers are flaring, I know if I was playing and a lineup grabbed me like that, my tendency might have been to shove away you know if, you, if you're in the midst of a fight anyway and somebody comes in you, particularly if you don't see who it is they're also opening themselves up to to getting a bit more physical abuse from it obviously getting the pushes get maybe getting a, maybe getting caught in a crossfire and it also then opens the player up to like physical abuse from official calls because the lino has gone in too hard in the first place 
What what do you yeah, think? Do you I, think I, that's the case or do you think they're in the right? I personally I think the linesman shouldn't get in shouldn't interact with the actual fight itself, shouldn't stop it until like there is an unfair advantage to one of the players in the scrap. Yeah. It's if because they, for, they could get pretty much they could get punched in the face. That I mean that's not a good thing for anyone to feel. I mean, let the two people that are in the fight take the punch themselves. They they know what they've signed up for when they've dropped the gloves. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. Um, I'm, I'm conscious of how long we're spending on the topic, so unless unless anybody's got anything else to add, I'll segue over to um, to the next item on the agenda. Does anything everybody have, have anything to add to that? I know we could talk about this until the cows come home, but um, no, I think we, we, we run the risk of doing it to death a little bit and, and running up another hour and a half podcast specifically on the Indicator rule. So, um, I mean, moving on from that, We've got a few fixtures coming up, um, starting with tomorrow, Friday the 14th of September. We've got a Challenge Cup fixture between the Belfast Giants and Dundee in Belfast. Um, I think, in fairness, if, if you all agree, I think the best way to do this is similar to what we did last week, just kind of go through between us all and just kind of say who we think is going to get the win, and then maybe next time we can actually note down who said what and see... Um, who was right, who was wrong, and, and see what kind of results were, were expected and were unexpected. So, um, Gref, I mean, you've just spoke, so do you want to kick us off? What, what's your opinion um, of that game, Belfast versus Dundee? Who, who would you be expecting to get the win? I expect Belfast to get the win, especially at home as well. Almost to that edge. They'll be, they'll be still on the high from the previous game as well. Dundee will be, but Dundee are the ones that are travelling. My thoughts are going to be Belfast win. Dave, are we in agreement with Gref, or do you think that we're going to see Dundee? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm thinking Belfast by three goals. Um, uh, home opener for the Giants. Um, they're expecting a good attendance, so I think they'll ride on the, the crest of a wave of that one. Andy, um, what, what do you think? You're in agreement with Gref and Dave, or are we expecting Dundee? Yeah, I agree. I've, I've, I think Belfast have been a. They're going to be a great game. I know Friday nights was a was always a good uh, attendance for the Giants, and I think they'll definitely pull them through. Um, and yeah, I, I'm going with a free goal, free goal win as well. Um, yeah, I've got to say, I mean, I agree. Um, I think we've got a clean sweep on this. Maybe actually the first time we've had a clean sweep. Um, I don't think we were all in agreement on any game last week, but um, yeah, I think we've got a clean sweep there. I, I think Belfast are going to do it by a couple, about a, a two or three goal margin, to be honest. Um, Dundee will come out hard, but I think Belfast will get the result. Um, moving over then to the Saturday, might as well stay in Belfast, haven't we? Belfast versus Glasgow, again in Belfast. Um, Andy, we'll go with you. What, what, what do we think? I think, yeah, another win for the Giants, another good crowd Saturday as well. Uh, I think probably 3 1 the Giants. Yeah. Dave? Yeah, Belfast. Um, I'm going to go four two. If we're going to differentiate scoreline, I'm going to go four two. Griff, I'm going to say Belfast as well, but I'll, for this, I'll probably say it's going to be four one. Yeah, I kind of agree with Griff. Maybe not a maybe not a four one, but I I think a three goal win for Belfast in that one. Second home game 
Uh, if they get the win against Dundee, they'll roll off that, they'll roll off the adrenaline from that game and, uh, and go into a, a strong result, I think, against Glasgow. I think Belfast will get that one. Um, maybe the more contentious game between us. Um, we may as well bring it home. Let's go. Sheffield, Manchester. Um, Griff, we'll put you in the middle. Dave, what do we think? Steelers will go win and they're going to win comfortably. Um, I'm going to. More, more than one goal, Gareth. It's going to be four goals. I'm going to think it's going to be fun. I think we're going to it's going to be the game that you know we're going to hit the uh, the, the strides and Finity's going to come in and, and be the passionate coach that he is and I can see Matt Sheffield taking advantage I'm going to, I'm going to go 5-1 Andy? I think of the Steelers win uh, but I, I think it'll be a lot closer uh, I think 4-2 Sheffield Greth what do we think obviously you may be uh in a different opinion, what are we thinking? Well, I'm thinking you're both liars for first, and that Storm are going to win, obviously. <laughs> I think it'll be a 4-3 overtime win. Yeah, I don't know how we're going to cope against your two-line depth. Um, no, I'm, I, I'm not saying this because I'm a Steelers fan. I agree with Andy and Dave. A, a full-strength Storm team, I may be thinking an overtime, but it could go, could go either way. With the injuries that the Storm have got, I've got to say, I'd say two will win for Sheffield. Um, Milton Keynes versus Coventry in MK. Greth. I'm going to say Milton Keynes for this one. Home game, on my advantage. I'm going to say 3-1 to Milton Keynes. Dave? I'm going to nick that. I'm going to go the same for you on uh, Milton Keynes. Andy? I'm also going to start with MK. Uh, I think, you know, they've got, they've got some good some good solid lines there and if Kalina has another great game, I think it could be 3-1. 3-1 MK. Uh, see, I, I don't want to say 3-1 now, but I'm going to say I, I kind of agree. <laughs> I was thinking a two-goal win. I don't tend to go scorelines, but in all honesty, I mean, Killeen was a, a cracking netminder. I can't see him letting more than a goal or two in against Coventry. I'd say 3-1 or 4-2 win for Milton Keynes. Um, last one on Saturday in the Challenge Cup is Fife Dundee in Fife. Um, I'll kick us off with this one because I haven't kicked us off with one yet. This is going to be a, a, a tight game, I think. I think a Flyers win, you know, they get the home ice advantage in Kakadi, um against a localish team, obviously, they're getting a, a Scottish double game. Um, I can see an overtime win for the Flyers in this one. I think, I think they'll take it to the wire. Gref, what do we think? I, I agree with you. Five, I think Fife will win that. I, I think it's going to be a more comfortable win for them. So I say like 4 1, 4 2 around that mark. Andy? Uh, also, with the Flyers win, uh, I'd probably say 3 2 Flyers. In regulation or overtime? Ooh, in regulation. Dave? I'm gonna go with the uh, the Flyers. I'm, I'm gonna go five two. Um, I think local derby. Um, 
their closest rivals. I think Fife are going to be well up for it um, if they can put the highlights out because I think it'll be a very good game on Saturday. Um, yeah, 5-2-5. Five, five. Uh, we'll move over to the Elite League for a game. Now, obviously, a league fixture. Clash of the Titans, really, in this one for me. Um, you know, the CHL... Um, seasoned team already against the unbeaten Nottingham Panthers. We've got Cardiff versus Nottingham in Cardiff on Saturday night. Dave, is this the game where Nottingham lose their unbeaten streak or is this the first loss for the Cardiff Devils? I'm not sure. Um, because, you know, Panthers unbeaten runs has been impressive and they've, they've got the form and they've got the confidence. But, you know, as much as they've uh, only picked up one point in 12 available in the CHL, Cardiff's confidence in their performance against the stronger opposition they'll face all season will give them, you know, they can they can go into games thinking we, we could do it against these teams. All yeah. ten other elite league teams should be simple should be easy to play against. So I am gonna go a Cardiff overtime win. I, I think you know we're gonna go three two. Um I think they're legit. I think, you know Cardiff have a, a, a home and home double header this weekend. They, they, again, like I mentioned earlier on, they raised the banners. There's a lot of confidence. I think, yeah, Cardiff logic. Andy? I think this is going to be the most interesting game of the, of, of the season so far for me. Um, I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to say 3 2 Panthers after a shootout. Ooh, a shootout prediction. We're getting risky here. Maybe you want to put that bet on, mate, because if that one comes through, you might get some decent odds on that. Um, Griff. <laughs> I, I actually agree with Stafford on this one. I'm going to say Panthers 3 2, but I'm going to say after overtime. I hate being the last one. Why do I keep leaving myself until last? Um, <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? The problem is, you know, we, we Nottingham have. They're undefeated. They played a few elite league teams, us included. Cardiff, we don't really have a benchmark to set them off. They played a couple of preseason games, but that's about it. So yeah, they've played against these top European teams, but we don't know how to fare in a domestic game, um, really. When it when it comes down to the when it comes down to the actual game and and the games that matter. Um, I'm going to side with Andy and Greff here. I think I think a Nottingham win. I'm going to go overtime, so I'm kind of more with Greff, but I I think an overtime win for Nottingham. Um, we'll stay on the Elite League just because I'm on that webpage because the Elite League doesn't the Elite League webpage now splits the games up on the schedule between Elite League and Challenge Cup it is really irritating um, but we'll stick with the uh, with the league games for the time being um, Sunday first game we see Coventry and Nottingham going Coventry uh, Gref started off I'm going to say Nottingham win uh, at least by I'm going to say four goals. So a 5 one win. I don't know how you, you must have read my mind because that's exactly what I was going to say. I think a Nottingham win by four goals. Um, I'm quite baffled that you gave the same margin as me then, but um, kudos to you for that one. Andy, what do you think? This is so funny because I also wanted to go on Panthers 5-1, uh, but just mix things up. I think an easy Panthers win, 4-1. Uh, Fair enough. Dave? Are you gonna are you gonna split the uh, split the difference here and, uh, and go go with something different, or are we uh, we agreeing? I am slightly. I I, I do agree with Costa Boy. It's gonna be a comfortable win for the Panthers. Um, 
And I'm, I'm going to go six one. I do think it's going to be that comfortable for them. I think they are just just going to turn over. They're going to do something similar to what they did in Manchester, but a bit more severe um, in the Sky Dome. Fair play. We then go. Actually, we as you as you say, we then go over to Manchester. Manchester in the uh, in the storm shelter against Glasgow. Dave, do you want to kick us off? We'll leave Greff to last on this one. Manchester in overtime. Two one. Sorry, Andy. I think Manchester win three one. I, this is a hard one. I think for me, the main thing that's going to be the deciding factor again is going to be how short bench Manchester are. Um, but that being said, I still think they've got a good team this year. I can see, um, I'll say a one goal win for Manchester, but I think in regulation. Greth, what do you think? I think, yeah, we're going to win. Personally, I think we'll win. I don't think by at least one goal. But I'm going to say it's going to be 4 3 in overtime. Fair play. Um, last league fixture of the weekend is Guildford versus Sheffield in Guildford. Gref, we left you until last time, uh, until last, last time, because you're the Manchester fan, so we'll leave me, Dave, and Andy until joint last. <laughs> um, Got to kick us off with that one. Yeah, I think. Guildford, but it'll be after penalty shots. So it'll be like two one after penalty shots. Fair enough, Andy. Um, what do you think? I think Jackie was fourteen. Dave. Four three overtime for Sheffield. I'll be the one to go against the grain. I'm going to go for a Guildford winning overtime. <laughs> I'm not giving a score though because I just don't like doing score predictions because I'm terrible at them. <laughs> uh, let's have a look. We've also then got Challenge Cup fixtures on the Sunday. Dundee versus Fife in Dundee. Uh, I'll kick us off. Uh, I'm going to go with a Dundee win. A couple of goals in this one. Um, maybe 4-2 Dundee. Dave? Dundee, 4-3. Andy? I think five for Wedgett in overtime. 3-2. Uh, Greth? I'm going to say five as well. Maybe 4-2. We're going to split, finally. We're, we're not all in agreement. Um... Okay, the last game of the weekend then, again, Cardiff, Milton Keynes in Cardiff. I can only see this going one way. I'll go Cardiff, win by three goals, I'd say 5-2. Gref? I'm going to echo that as well and say Cardiff, but I'm going to say it'll be 5-1. Dave? I'm going to go against the grain because I'm going to... The uh, the curse of the uh, the banner raising always seems to affect the team. I I'm gonna go Milton Keynes by goal. Um, it's also on TV. Um, it's a live game on Free Sport. So um, Pembers in town. I, I'm gonna say Milton Keynes by goal. They're gonna pinch it. Regulation or overtime? Regulation. Fair play, Andy. Uh, for me, Cardiff for uh, MK two. Fair play. 
So that sums up our um, previews of the upcoming games for this episode. Dave, I think we've only really got one last thing, which I think you brought up just before we started recording. Um, we've had somebody ask a question. Um, do you want to give us a bit more detail on that? I will do. There's, there's a second one, and we'll we'll have that as a nice ending, and it'll make sense when I say it. So, um, we actually got a tweet in um, from Craig Day, who's um, a friend of ours and a friend of the show. So, thanks for for messaging him. And his question was: He's obviously listened to the first two, and he's put us on the spot to say, "Who are the three teams that we think collectively will not make the playoffs?" Fair play. Um... Gents, I'm going to throw this out to obviously everybody individually. I'm going to ask Dave first, just because I know that Dave said when he threw the question out that he's got his three, and I know for certain that I don't. So, um, Dave, who are, your, who are your top three? So the three I I, I think is not going to make it. Um, sorry, and, bot, yeah, bottom three, sorry. Yeah, and I'll apologise up front because Coventry, I don't think we'll do it. I think Glasgow will miss out. And I think Manchester are going to miss out. I think they're going to be the ones that it's, it's like the last game of the season. I think they're just going to miss out. You know, they did excellent last last season. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. Some are saying that they're just going to miss out. They're going to teeter all season and then they're going to fall the wrong end. Andy? Um, so desperate to any of the teams, uh, but I think Coventry... We'll probably finish 11th, um, 10th, I think, will probably be Glasgow, and I think the last team to miss out, um, for me, is Dundee. Ooh, changing that one. Uh, Greth, I mean, I'm assuming you're not predicting Manchester to be in the bottom three, like Dave, who who your um, bottom three? No, I'm not. I, my bottom three would be Coventry, 11th. I'd pick Dundee, 10th, but then I'd pick Glasgow, 9th. You're siding with Andy. I'm actually, I'm siding with Dave on this. I, I apologise again in advance. I, I, I agree, and I, I, you know, I think we may all be in agreement. Uh, I think Coventry will be 11th. It's nothing against the Blaze. And as I said last time, you know everybody loves an underdog, so I'd love to see... Myself and, and, and Andy and Greff, obviously. I don't know, Dave, I don't know if you agree as well, but I think Coventry will be 11. I, yeah. I, I'd, like, I'd like to see... To, it was proven wrong, but I, looking at their team compared to others, I can't see that being the case. But you never know how a team are going to play. Um, tenth, I'd go Glasgow. I think... They didn't have the best year last year. They've got a transition... I've got all the confidence in Pete Russell as the coach, but I just think they're in too transitional a year. They've changed the name. Obviously, the new captain, new coach, new goalie. Fairly fresh team. I just think it may take them a little bit more time to find a feet. Um, and Gref, I am sorry, but I've got to say ninth, Manchester. And I may change my prediction a few weeks into the season, but right now you're a week in and you're missing some of your top players. I mean, it doesn't look like the first start. Um, you want to get those early wins in and, and those early games that you lose can, can cost your team. And I think that may be the case for, for Manchester. But again, maybe not what I'd like to see, but that's that's how I think it'll fall. If you guys can bounce back from these injuries, they may be different, but 
looking at the team that you've got, looking at the injuries you've already got, I, I, I can't see you guys making a, anything past the bottom three. No, so, so thanks, Craig, for that. And anybody else, if you uh, have any questions for the four of us, um, you can reach out to us on, on Facebook, um, at Mark the, uh, the My Fancy Zamboni uh, podcast page, and on Twitter at MFZ Podcast. Um, do, um, you know, we may have a, a bit of a section for uh, uh, social media questions. You know, see, uh, I don't know, we may call it Ask Ref. I don't know. Let, let's, uh, let's find a name for it. Uh, but uh, the last thing from me, guys, um, a bit of an overnight story was um, completely non-elite league um, based, but uh, the Humboldt Broncos started their season um, last uh, last night overnight, um, and as everyone knows, the, uh, the the tragedy that happened in April with the team all but sort of wiped out with a few survivors for the grace of God, um, and I, 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 it was just great to see them back playing the game that everyone knows them to do, um, and you know. Wish them all the best in this season and uh, carrying on their recovery and uh, back into what they do best, that's play hockey. Yeah, it's never a nice thing to see, particularly with me on a road trip. You know, we've all been on that. We've all been on a bus. We've all, in fairness, we've all been on a bus together heading to an away trip. And those times bring the team together and they're a time that you enjoy. And, and so to see that tragedy happen on, on that kind of occasion... It's awful, uh, and also to see a couple of returning guys in the lineup as well. Um, huge, huge respect to them on two fronts. Coming past the injuries that they suffered, and also being able to step back on that ice again. I mean, really, really big up to them because that 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 can't have been easy. Um, but obviously, we all wish the Humboldt Broncos all the best this season. Um, as, as I think the majority of the hockey community do, and, and you know, it's one thing that the hockey community have shown. Um, like with like with locomotive, you know, a few years ago, you know, the hockey community comes together at times of tragedy like that, and, and I think the whole hockey community will be wishing them well as they go through on this season. No, very much so. We have a little a little tenuous link in, in this uh, um, in this podcast because obviously, um, what people may not know is Andy um, is has represented Great Britain um, in ball hockey and played against Canada under twenties. Uh, and Andy, remind me, the one of the players for the Canadian team was. The captain of the Humboldt Broncos last season, if, if I've got that correct. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, uh, I've uh, played against him uh, and a cracking player. Uh, obviously, I'm not sure what he's like in ice, but ball certainly incredible. Uh, I briefly spoke to him, and he, he was a very nice guy to talk to. Uh, it's just so such. A shame this time, and you know my thoughts go out to all the families out there affected. Um, but yeah, it, it's really sad. Uh, but yeah, as, as Joe said, massive respect to Brian Cameron and uh, Derek Patter for staying with the team, and uh, I'm sure we'll have a really good, really good season. Uh, I think we all share them thoughts, and, and Gareth, I'll bring you because I know you've seen some of the uh, the videos, which. If if again, please Gareth, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. They're on the TSN website. Um, a lot of the the pre-game, the post-game, um, videos of what happened last night, and and I know we spoke before this podcast, but you said the the post-game one is definitely one man and woman alike. Make sure there's a few tissues beside because it's a very emotional uh, post-game tribute to uh, last season's team. Oh, definitely. They had a pretty much. They have a clip of a few photos of the either the coaches or the players from like growing up wise. So you got them in like little kids having their own hockey kits on quite funny photos that you take on your family would say. But then 
that had cut into them raising a banner for that player. If the player's still around, like some of them were, they'd have Believe at the bottom. If they didn't, they had a, a cross, and it had their date of birth and the, the year they bought, the year they died, unfortunately, was this year. It was, the, even the music that went along with it, it was just a, a very emotional night. You could even see it on every person's face. Even the new players that were playing for either Nippawa or Humboldt, everyone had tears. I had myself almost had a few tears. My mum watched it a few hours ago. She almost had a few tears. It's one of those moments where you definitely need some tissues. Yeah, no, it's... Just, no, no, I think... Sorry, oh, sorry, John. No, I, I was just going to say, you know, as, as we've already said, it, it, it's it's a horrible thing to watch. I haven't, I haven't been able to watch the post-game the post or the pre-game ones yet. I've seen the... Um, I saw the little video that they did about the um, the two the two players rejoining the lineup this year, and I mean that was that was that was emotional enough to see, um, you know, to see the journey that those two players have been on to be able to step back on the ice. So, um, no, it is a, it is a huge tragedy, and and it, and it is something that, you know, you never wish on anyone, um, and it, it certainly is a horrible thing to see, and as we say, particularly in the context of, of that away bus, because it's it's a situation we've all been in. And it, and it really brings it home. Yeah, it does. And we, like I said, we all wish them and, you know, the team and even the community in Humboldt all the best in their recovery and getting back to where they just talk about the hockey and them winning and lifting silverware. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, uh, gents, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's as good a place as any to, uh, to call it a day. Uh, maybe went on a little bit longer than maybe intended. I think we were thinking that we could have made it a bit of a short one this week than doing it an hour and a half. But I think we've probably hit the hour and a half point again. So apologies if um, if anybody's thinking that we're going on a little bit too long. Do give us the feedback if you're enjoying the length. Let us know. Um, let us know about sound quality. Today we actually had everybody video linking in. Um, so Andy, Gref, and Dave are all calling in on um, on Facebook Messenger. So let us know what the sound quality is like. Let us know if you've got any other um, comments, any content that you want to see. Obviously, as Dave says, get in touch with us on social media if you've got any questions. It's at MFZ Podcast on Twitter, and it's My Fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook. Uh, but for the time being, Andy, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Gref, always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's always a, a good talk having with you guys. And Dave, thank you, uh, thank you very much. No, thank you very much. Always a pleasure, Dave Rochelle. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So thank you everybody that's listening again. As I say, keep liking and sharing the page, um, and keep giving us your feedback on the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. Thanks a lot.